How about that? It is 1215. That's Wednesday. Now, 1215 is uh, December 15th, not Magna Carta for Norm sitting over there. (laughs) (laughs) You might know when old King John had to capitulate, get on his knee and hand his sword to the... uh, No, no, no. For me, it's all about the Code of Hammurabi. The Code of Hammurabi. (laughs) Hammurabi's Code, an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. Uh, But it is 1215, and uh, it it is uh, December 15th. 2021 and it is wednesday that means it's a blitz wednesday it also means it's a lawyer talk wednesday uh we are at uh we got sort of a nouveau full house at the round table we got bread from circle 270 media we got norm uh bringing all the topics in the news and uh last week the never-ending debate <laughs> with yours truly which i had a blast frankly but anyway uh we're gonna we're gonna momentarily uh interface with the blitz we're gonna take the phone in legal as we go uh, and, uh, we got some topics coming after that. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll cover some of the, uh, the questions that were answered and maybe in some more detail if they warrant it. And then we're going to check off the big topic list. As always, if you have a topic that you want us to, to cover, want us to cover at the round table, or you want me to cover at the Q and a, that's the question and answer lawyer talk series or uh, legal breakdown series. All you got to do is check us out, lawyertalkpodcast.com, submit a question and, uh, I will get to it. I try to get in here at least once or twice a week to keep up on the questions. Uh, they are coming more and more frequently. Just finished one yesterday. So uh, if you want your question answered, get in line fast because I'm taking them as they come. Uh, so stay tuned for more of that. And it looks like, uh, well, yep, the Blitz is here. So here we go. <clears throat> All right. Steve Palmer joins us now uh, with free legal advice. Steve, what's up, man? Hey, how you guys are doing? Oh, I can't even talk to you. How you guys doing? <laughs> how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Good, man. Um, this is the final Steve Palmer of the year, the final live Steve Palmer of the year. I can't believe it. Yeah, I thought you guys maybe would uh, have me on on December 25th, but uh, if that's what it's going to be, <laughs> then I'll wait till next year. Uh, don't stomp your feet about it, okay? I'll be okay. Uh, let's let's go to Brad here. He has a question about uh, firearms, NFA firearms. Brad? Yes. All right, you're on with Steve Palmer. By the way, we have uh, one open line if you guys want to get through. Go ahead, Brad. Hi, Steve. I've got kind of a tricky one for you. Um, I know that you can purchase and legally own pre-1986 machine guns due to the NFA, the Firearms Act. Uh, But you can also get an FFL and a Class 3 SOT, which allows you to manufacture firearms like that. You can build your own. Uh, My question is, if you can you do that transfer said firearm into a gun trust and be able to keep your firearms and pass them down to your children after your SOC expires? Yeah, the, I, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to hold off because I'm not positive. And these are those kind of questions. The national, the NFA is the National Firearms Act, and you're right about that. And it did talk about uh, there's a there's a line of demarcation regarding machine guns that are already in existence versus those that are being built today. You, you, we can own uh, machine guns. You know that, that's a. You can have them. You can own them. They're regulated. You've got to get permission. You've got to get, uh, uh, like you said, you got to get spe- specific specialty licensing. How that gets passed down out of a gun trust, 
I'm going to defer to a guy named Derek DeBrosse. Derek's a good friend of mine. He is a gun lawyer. He knows this cold. And if you called my office and said, hey, I want, I want to get an answer like this, I'd get him on the horn and we'd figure it out. But uh, uh, it's a very specific question. I appreciate the question. It's a good one. Uh, I tell you what, give me a shout, 614-224-6142, and I'll try to get you an answer off the air because what I don't want to do is give you bad information now uh, and then have to backpedal and have everybody taking notes and saying, you know, Steve didn't know the NFA and gave you wrong advice. So uh, I'm going to punt on that one, but uh, I do appreciate the question. All right. Thank you very much. You bet. All right. 821-9970, 800-821-9970, or text in at 989-700. All right, Steve. Uh, this this couple says, we're currently building a house and the land we purchase. Uh, half of it. Half of it was in a flood zone, so we built our house out of the flood zone. Anytime it rains, we have constant water in the basement, even with the largest sump pumps we get. I have had multiple contractors come out and advise that the builders should have never built on this lot or dug a basement because the soil reports show the land is sandy clay. What are my options? Well, I, there's there's a couple different things I'd I'd want to know is did they it, what kind of testing was done on the soil before it was built? Uh, what would be normal testing on the soil before a house like that is built? Uh, and then now, what's the remedy to try to fix it? There, so you want to start with. Uh, with those types of questions. And then, then you know, upon discovery of such things, if uh, you still may have a cause of action against uh, the builder, but it, once you discover it, the, the clock starts ticking. So you're going to need to get some professional uh, help on it. So you've had people tell you that they never should have built there. Um, and, it, you know, that's, that's a good starting point. Now I'd want to know what would it take to keep that basement dry? There's got to be some fix, or if there's not, um, then get that in writing and get uh, get a, a professional expert engineer out there to start giving you opinions. Um, before you'd even do that, though, you know who you call? You call Dave Goldstein at 614-222-1889. He is the civil litigator, and uh, I know personally that he has done uh, building cases like this uh, on both sides of it. Uh, so he's going to have some experience in that type of litigation, and he can give you some answers. But I'm sorry that's happening. I mean, I, I've been in, I've lived in houses that had wet basements, and it is extremely frustrating and uh it's boy when you feel like there's nothing you can do about it it just you just feel like uh you're stuck but give me a shout if uh you need some uh, if you need help getting in touch with dave that would be 614-224-6142 all right we have another one coming in a question for steve i bought a new car and they sold me the wrong service contract for it i've already signed for everything uh now they want to give me a different one is the car dealership able um able to do that all right. So I guess I'm not sure exactly what's going on here. I know what you're talking about is at the end, you're all done with the car. You think you're just going to go sign, get your uh, registration. They're going to hand you the keys. You're going to drive off. And then you talk to some guy who's got this checklist a mile long that he's trying to sell you car washes, service plans, um, fancy headlights or fancy tail, whatever it would be. Uh, you bought a service plan, which I'm not saying is a bad idea. It might be a great idea, actually. But uh, if, if they, by mistake, put the wrong one. You chose one, but they put the wrong one in the contract. There's probably a provision in the contract that uh, entitles everybody to fix it by agreement. If, on the other hand, uh, they're trying to upsell it or change it uh, because you paid for something that cost, uh, maybe it works in your favor and they want to change that somehow, that might be a different story. I'd have to see the contract to know 
And again, that's probably something if it's really going to go into litigation, you'd want to talk to Dave Goldstein or somebody like Dave uh, to get some litigation advice on consumer protection laws. But uh, you want to start with a contract, look for a provision in very small print that talks about um, clerical errors or mistakes and, and how it gets amended uh, and what can be done. But generally speaking, if it's a contract in writing, it can't be modified unless everybody agrees in writing. Uh, usually we, we would go back and you'd, you you would just rescind it or, or fix it or amend it and everybody initials here or there and uh, you can get it fixed. If you don't agree, it gets a little bit dicier. So uh, give me a shout, 614-224-6142. I'd be happy to go through the particulars with you, give you my thoughts, and then ultimately uh, have you go talk to Dave or somebody who is uh, more versed in consumer protection laws. All right. Steve Palmer, 821-9970. We have Joe standing by. Joe, what's up, man? Hey, how are you guys? Excellent, hey, Joe. Joe. Happy holidays, buddy. Well, I have a, sorry, similar question about vehicles. Okay. Mine is uh, giving me all kinds of grief. It's under warranty and so forth. So, And the door locks keep whipping up and down. The windows go up and down randomly. There's a whole lot of poltergeist stuff going on. Yeah, you have Herbie fully loaded in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. For some reason, they kind of... I made them sort it out, figure out what is wrong with this vehicle. And it turns out, perhaps they're trying to tell me that I corrupted the, the computers in this vehicle myself. Is that and true? Maybe by just uh, charging my cell phone. Yeah, something doesn't sound right here. So th- this sounds to me, so you've got a car. I presume it's a new car. Is it, was it a new purchase? Yes. Okay, so if it's that mean if when you said it had a warranty, typically that means it was a new purchase or a very late model that had it. They they were giving you a warranty. Um, I don't know what diagnostic uh, tools or uh, process they're using to say it was your fault, but I'd be very suspicious of that. Um, and if it's under warranty, it would surprise me they wouldn't fix it because I know a lot of new car dealerships. I mean, that'll just get billed right back. They're not really going to be responsible for that. They're going to replace the chip, replace oh. the computer, do whatever, and uh, get the thing fixed. Um, if you disagree with their assessment of what the problem is, um, you know, you got some options. You can get your own assessment of what the problem is, take it somewhere else and have them uh, put the computer on it and figure it out. But boy, if it is true that if you plug your phone in uh, to a car and it's going to corrupt the computer system somewhere and and turn it into Herbie the love bug, then uh, boy, that scares me because I plug my phone in almost every day. So I would, I'd be very cautious here and suspicious of that diagnostic. Well, it just makes me wonder, though, because I was having a problem with my, uh, with my phone. I try to make calls and everything when, that, when I had these issues going on. Now it's infected my, uh, my vehicle as well. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I, would, I would insist that they fix it by warranty if, um, uh, boy, here we are back again. This is another I don't believe I don't believe the phone thing, though. I just don't believe that. That's going to mess your car up. Maybe you got a virus. But can it do that? I've never heard I that. Know. I don't know. Okay. It, it's, it's a scary thought that if I have a virus on my phone, I can I can contaminate my car so it starts locking and unlocking, or, or like it could do far worse, like engage the brakes, or who knows these days. Loper spoke about this this morning when his phone was all corrupted. Oh, going crazy! Yeah, yeah. the green lines, and, and the it has like a different email address connected to our account, and we've never even ha- we don't know what this email is. Yeah, like when I called uh, the insurance company, they had some AOL email, and I was like, that's not mine, AOL email, brother. So your car can be hacked, it says. With the advanced features in vehicles today, cars are essentially giant moving computers, vulnerable to bugs, viruses, and hackers. 
just like any other computer or mobile device. Do you have an Android? No, I have a, actually a, a flip phone. Well, I mean, that's really unlikely. Wow. Yeah, that's really unlikely Which is that cool. somebody hacked that. I saw a really dope flip phone at the AT&T store yesterday. I was like, wow, people are really going back. It's kind of wild. Uh, 821-9970. Uh, we have two blitz lines open right now if you guys want to sneak through. Wow. A virus can wreak havoc on computer files, hard drives, networks, and within your car antenna using the Bluetooth device. Is that weird? No, thanks, man. I kind of figured it's possible. Damn. Wow. Just seems like what a nightmare. That that article's from 2005. <laughs> now, okay. Steve, do you have any big plans for the holidays? You know, I, I, I love Christmas. I absolutely love it. Uh, and I like just hanging out at home. I like being with the family. I like just uh, doing our thing. So the best I can, I don't like to travel. I just enjoy the day. Uh, so no, I don't have any huge plans. Um you know, unfortunately, work gets in the way. So right after the holidays, we're back at it. But uh, uh, just looking forward to enjoying the holiday. Now, does court go back like right away? Like, are you back in court like immediately following the holidays? Well, the court is theoretically open, but that doesn't mean it's really doing much. I mean, I think most judges, most attorneys ha- sort of have the same thought that I do, which is uh, let's 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 punt till next year. You know, we'll just we'll have a skeleton gotcha. crew there. Uh, if there's essentials, if there's emergencies, if there's things that have to be done, they will. But generally speaking, you know, by November, halfway through November, most of the trials are, are sort of uh, either resolved or, or pushed till next year and uh, things start to wind down for the year. But it starts up with a vengeance come January. All right. One last call here. Anne is standing by for Steve Palmer. Legal questions. The final legal question of the year. Oh, my gosh. Make it good. Anne, hey, I get the final legal question of the year. Go me. Can you believe that? <laughs> Steve, I have a question. A year and change ago, I was arrested because I was assaulted. I was working on my car. Chapel Johnson goes to your car. Things like that. Well, I ended up stabbing her. What? Didn't really too much. Wait, you stabbed her? Yeah. (laughs) She punched me from behind. I was literally trapped. Wow. Wait, and did you have uh, beef with this person prior? Oh, I've known, I've known this individual for quite a few years. And how do you know this person? Uh, A former wife. Okay. Okay. There you go. Former life or former wife? Uh, Life. Life. Okay. Life. Well, um, I got to sit in a lovely Jackson Pike for three months. But the Ohio grand jury, when they went ahead and looked at my case, stated it, it came back no bill, which means no crime was committed. Can I get any type of actual paperwork beating that? Because it's been dismissed in municipal, but states it could be picked up in common pleas. Yeah. But if it came back no bill, no crime was committed, how is that possible? Well, it- it, this is a good question. You were initially arrested and you were charged in the Franklin County, well, whatever the county municipal court we're talking yeah, about. I was I never indicted either. Correct. Right. So you're in the municipal court. You were charged by way of a criminal complaint where a police officer swore out a complaint, filed it. They arrested you. You had your initial appearance. The case, uh, you were released on bond and the case was uh, dismissed for a future indictment. And then the grand jury in Franklin County comes back with a no bill. That means they did not... Uh, vote and come back with a bill of indictment. It was a no bill of indictment. They, they just declined to indict you. Uh, you're not likely to get any documentation that says that. Um, you, you know, generally, 
nothing really is generated as a result of that. Uh, there, right. The dismissal entry in municipal court is there. You could even have that sealed. You could file a request to have all those records sealed in municipal court. Now, eventually, uh, they run out of time. Statutes of limitations will run, and nothing else can be done, and you're free and clear. What is the statute of limitations on that? Uh, I'd have to look it up and see exactly what they charge you with. Probably six years. Okay. Yeah, give or take. Um, but oh, okay. I would I would want to know more about that. But, you know, I, I, I think you're if, if they know build it, it's done. It's off the prosecutors or it's out of their pile. They tried. It's done. And um, that's right, that. Because there's video that she attacked me first. I mean, this was on my son's birthday of all days, too. And the weekend prior to that, she went ahead and had assaulted me. She punched me in my face. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. All right. I handled her personally. Then she sent a text message. Then she sent a voicemail. Then there's video of her assaulting me first. Yeah, it sounds like and there was no build with good reason. Man, you go hard. Go big or go home, right, Lou? I guess so, <laughs> no, really. Damn. I swear to God, no, honestly, though, I swear I dropped. I swear I really thought, and it wasn't even that big of a blade. It was just that little, you know, Cabela's knife you get to yeah, a blade. Yeah, yeah, Not a big one. Oh, I mean, yeah. she's it's like, it's not like you're like, this is a knife. I, I guess I would like say this. So it's not like it didn't really hurt her. Right, right. Well, I, I, look, I would probably... Saying? I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was clearing the uh, floor for you. Go oh, I got right you. Ahead. Yeah, I would probably do this. I would probably get this in the rearview mirror as fast as you can. I would move on, hopefully never see this individual again. Uh, and in the meantime, maybe take some steps to have your record sealed, at least the municipal court record sealed. Uh, so it's if somebody looks it up, they can't just find it. Uh, if you are under... It, if you feel like you're in fear for your safety or this individual still is harassing, bothering, or uh, or stalking you or whatever, you might be able to get a civil protection order to protect yourself. Uh, so all those are viable options. Well, that if was you, put in by the judge as well. I mean, I, I even went as far as to change my number. Yeah, no, I mean, on, you can go to court so, maybe and get a civil protection order keeping her away from you. Uh, that's possible if uh, the right facts exist. So if you want some help with that, give me a shout, 614-224-6142. I'd be happy to look at it for you. All right, awesome, Steve Palmer. Steve. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. That was a hell of a last call for the year. I'll tell you that. I liked it. Yeah, a little shanking. You know, a little tiny. It was tiny shanking. A little teensy one. It's like like a tiny Tim shanking. That's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> Baby blade. Got friggin' crocodile Dundee yet on the phone? Who is that? All right, listen, Steve Palmer. I hope you have a great holiday, a terrific New Year, and uh, I can't wait to see you next year, brother. Hey, same to you guys. Merry Christmas to everybody. Real treat to have you on the show every week. Merry Christmas. All right, good stuff. I should say. Herbie. Yeah, Herbie the Love Bug. Now, not many people remember Herbie the Love Bug. Like, Herbie goes to Monte Carlo. Herbie the Love Bug. Herbie goes to Monte Carlo. And there's another one. There's like three, maybe four. I think they came out with one a couple years ago. I thought so, too, with what I can't remember what her name is. Trying to, you know, draw in a a whole new audience. But, wow, that's that's freaky. The kids aren't done with uh, a cars, clearly. I mean, this little neighbor kid came over the other day, looked at my uh, race car and, the, and the, uh, the, the RV that we use as a hauler in the trailer, gave him the whole tour, and his eyes just bugged out. It was so cute. I mean, he's a little guy, and he's like, wow, you got a refrigerator and a stove in here and, right. you know, an air compressor, <laughs> and I let him flip on everything. He said, gasoline, young yeah. man, it's all gasoline. Then gave him a little model of the race car. So, like, you know, kids, kids still dig racing, and, 
You know, I I just don't know about these electric vehicle racing leagues that they're coming up with now. It's it's not the same. No, the sound. It's like it's not. It's not the same. I was watching some vintage racing, and they had vintage Trans Am out at Laguna Seca, and uh, the grid was like uh, twenty four uh, old, you know, Camaros, Boss Mustangs, uh, AMXs, uh, really, you know, uh, Dodge Challengers, really, you know, the the heart and soul of like 1966 to 1972 muscle cars, the pony car end of the muscle cars. And anyway, it was, it was fabulous. And just the aural experience of when they fire up those motors and, and get them up to, you know, heat them up, get, get them, get them warmed up in, in preparation for the race. What would you hear if it was a grid of like 25 electric vehicles? What, but they all just go click. You hear like yeah, twenty five yeah. switches go yeah. click. I've never even. <laughs> I, I can't wow. imagine. What what drama? You I have, mean, it would be like turning on twenty five forklifts. You'd have to have like fake yeah. sound. You, yeah, you, like they, they would have to go. fake it. It would be like uh, put a put a put a baseball card in the spokes of the wheel. Yeah, that's right, that's <laughs> Something. Right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, like the, yeah. the, no, there is. I, I look. I, I'm the king of distraction. It is perfect. But when I went to I went to Mid Ohio and I saw really my first ever um, that was open wheel racing. I don't yeah. know. That was the Honda series. Yeah. And there is something to it. I mean, it is oh. it is exhilarating when you hear those those cars start up and you right. he, you watch what they're doing on that track and you're right there like you can just like there's an experience there that I I, it, I don't even know how to describe it. It well worth it. Oh yeah, and we, when we were when we were racing in downtown Columbus, so you know we're we're going down uh, like Front Street at 150 miles an hour. That was like 80s, mid 80s, yeah. And the and the 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 echo off of the state office buildings, you know, passing That's down, awesome. down through the canyon, you know, like Bruce Springsteen sings about, yeah, you know, you know these canyons of of man made structures instead of out in the in nature. It was just unbelievable, the mm-hmm. booming noise through downtown. And God, I wish they'd bring that back, man. That was <laughs> racing through downtown Columbus. Then over the river on the on Civic Center Drive on the other side, you know, or whatever that's called. And they only it, did it once, right? It was only one. Oh, no, 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 no. Columbus uh, 500 lasted for, I want to say, about five years. Wow, I didn't know that. I yeah. thought it was only once. Yeah. So no. so now we can bring it back with the, the electric cars then. <laughs> Yeah, well, we got some Columbus it'll, it'll policy be, we're going to talk about. I'm sure they're not going to go It'll be quiet. It'll be quiet. Yeah, and, and no pollution. And, and no pollution. Except for all the lithium ion mining that's right. going on. But, well, uh, you know, and a, a, a quick rabbit hole on that. Okay, so, you know, the electric cars, the battery manufacturing of this, where are these elements coming from? We're strip mining, right? Uh, Mongolia, uh, China. Africa. China owns them all now. Yeah, China owns these. Uh, well, I mean, they have the rights to these right. mines in other countries, Okay, like Africa, Mongolia. Because Toyota just, what, yesterday or two days ago announced that they're putting billions of dollars in half their line in about 10 years will be electric. Well, it's because the government's sort of forcing it in, right. you know, through regulatory schemes. Yeah. But uh, The head of Toyota gave a major speech saying he disagreed with this entire EV trend. Yeah. So he looked, you know, his, his futurologists at Toyota Inc., mm-hmm. you know, his staff, they analyzed this entire shift to EVs. And to the to the CEO of Toyota, he, I mean, you can read this online. He gave a very detailed speech. He does not agree with it. He says it doesn't make sense. The infrastructure isn't there, 
and the reduction in carbon is is bullcrap. Mm-hmm. It, 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 none of it makes any sense. Well, it, the, it, dis- yeah. the destruction of Earth bothers me, too. And, and But also we're not looking at the aftermarket stuff. Well, if the, you start to go all electric and the gas-fueled engines are gone, this well, aftermarket uh, stuff is we, – we, we are – ruining an industry well ruining oh, an industry that don't need to be ruined and even more so than that the to build one of those electric vehicles takes more i mean what goes into them you the net save is hardly anything if anything at all and if you all you have to do is go google one of those well, mines and see what it looks like well, it's the gross ba- the batteries are being energized largely even in this country largely by coal-fired power plants mm-hmm. yeah. okay yeah, yeah. so you know, dude, we're you know, it's not like we're going nuclear. We're not we're not building a bunch of new clean nuclear uh, electric power plants. We're we're still using coal, and we'll be using coal for probably the next fifty years. I mean, what's going to replace it? Tidal, solar, it, wind? Yeah, no, no, it's no, not it's not going to happen. It's, yeah, no, it's, and it's, worse. Yeah, these cars they have they don't have a very long shelf life. These batteries. So I hear. And to dispose of those is an environmental disaster. Oh, definitely. I, I think it's just a it's short a disaster. It's, it's a short sighted solution. Even even if you look at the NFTs, the non fungible, uh, this new currency that's out there, the amount of electricity to build these NFTs oh, sure. is nuts. And it's just, well, guys, Brett, are you realizing yeah. for this stupid um, uh, alternative All to cash? To look good. All to look good. It's all virtue signaling, and, and also it's, it's also making fortunes for people. Yes. So yes. Yes. We kind of stumbled into Times Man of the Year, Person of the Year, as they call it now, uh, Elon Musk, who is America's largest welfare queen. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, whether it's He's his worth the system, whether it's his yeah. rocket program, yeah. or whether it's the discounts and the incentives that all these state governments and the federal government give when you buy an EV. He is selling the idea. Kamala Harris has picked up on it. He's selling the idea of wealthy people buying his car. I mean, his cars aren't cheap. They're, they're expensive. So wealthy people are getting a ten dollars or $12,000 know, federal discount or a state discount combo uh, to buy the car. And then Kamala is proposing that we spend billions of dollars in Build Back Better uh, to have recharge stations in disadvantaged communities. And you're like, wait a minute, I can't can't make that work. What what are the disadvantaged communities going to plug into these stations, Mm -hmm. right? What are they going to recharge? I go into disadvantaged communities like here in central Ohio, and what I see is like a 1988, you know, Delta 80, you know, or a or an old Buick or a, you know, or a Yugo or something. I mean, I, what, I don't see Teslas outside of Section 8 housing projects. Okay, so what, no. what the hell is she talking about? It's she's, nonsense. She's just going to make some contractor mega wealthy like Elon Musk. It's ridiculous. And there's a deal. Uh, look, uh, this is, this anyway, is a rabbit hole. We did yeah, go down. I didn't mean to go that rabbit hole. No, but, well, but thank I you. Was, you stumbled well, into one of my topics. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, right. Okay, that's good. Thank you. Yeah. Sure. 
So are we done with the so wrapping oh, yeah. up the blitz? Yeah. Uh, the NFA yeah. National Firearms Act question. That, that those are the kind of detailed questions oh. that I'm just going to punt on. I'm yeah. never going to go out on you the record so unless I'm sure yeah, because right. those are those are very unique things. And gun trusts exist. Machine guns exist. You are allowed. They mm. they are not well, unconstitutional, dude. And then there's all these grandfather dates. It's mm. very complex. And you have to get uh, local permission from uh, the sh- like. There's places that you'll never get it. So, it, well, it's just, there's uh, like, like like there was a there was a what do I want to call it uh, an amnesty uh, at one point for World War II veterans that did what's called bring back weapons. Mm-hmm. So they they bring back a Schmeiser you know machine gun from 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 the European theater right and. Under, you know, the laws passed after the Roaring Twenties, you know, Dillinger and Machine Gun, uh, you know, Thompson and all these guys, they 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 passed all these laws making you have to go get a tax and, and get a sign off to have a, an, a fully automatic weapon. Well, you know, you had good hearted, you know, country boys going over there and fighting the, the Nazis. They, they'd stick a, a submachine gun in their backpack and bring it back. And there was, you know, thousands of these in the United States. So I think around 1968, when they, when they passed that, you know, you know, Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King in the, in the wake of that, they passed some firearms legislation. They had an amnesty. So like guys like uh, uh, Derek DeBras, they know all those specific dates. And you had to have paperwork. So what you did, if I recall, you applied to the ATF and you said, hey, I've got a World War II souvenir. Bring back. Yep. Right. And then they would say, okay. And it's, but it it also. It's documented and it's blessed and holy water. But if the veteran didn't do that then that gun, you know, it's it's contraband. They exist mm-hmm. in people's basements to this day. Oh. Um, well, you know, you Grandpa can, had this yeah. uh, MP9 or whatever the well, whatever yeah. it would be, right. and um, they, they still exist. I've worked on cases where sure. uh, where the son gets it or grandson has it. He's like, oh, it's my granddad's gun. What do I need to do with it? Yeah. I'm like, you got to do something. <laughs> you know, MP38 or MP44 is what you're thinking. Yeah, of, right? and it was a 9 mm-hmm. millimeter machine pistol Correct. Uh, yes. that the Nazis had. And those were the common ones because they were small. You could get them back. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. Um, Without chopping the, the barrel like, like you had to do on, you know, some of the longer guns. Yep. So anyway, th- those kind of questions, call me at the office. You know, I, I, I'm happy to try to get it researched and answered for you, but uh, that's not a general knowledge type question. No. Uh, the new car... Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. When you get a new car and you get a warranty and you have all those issues, you know, I, I actually, it's interesting, Norm. I, when I got my truck recently, I asked the car manager, you know, the guy at the end who's really trying to upsell you everything. And let's just say he and I didn't get along at first. Mm-hmm. But by the end, I just said, look, let me ask you something. When's the last time you had a real legitimate lemon law claim? And he said, I haven't had one 15 years. Wow. Yeah, they just, it's like, they, he goes, they're, they're pretty solid these days. If there's a problem with the car, the warning will usually fix it. It's like a true lemon uh, that, you know, three or more things that can't be fixed or whatever the rules are. Mm-hmm. It's like they they hardly ever see them anymore. Wow. Um, so that's good news. Now, I don't know what's going on with Herbie, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I who knows? But uh, I think generally speaking, it, everybody would do well, me included, to read the small print of the things that you're signing. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and when you're sitting there with somebody looking at you, uh, ready to do the deal and get out because it's 7 o'clock and they close at 7.30 or whatever, or they're already left, everybody's and already you've gone. you've been there for five yeah. hours and you're right. tired of it and too. And you're exhausted. It's yeah. like, it's really difficult to read that small print, but the answer's usually there. So if yeah. there's a mistake in a warranty, you can usually figure it out and uh, get it rescinded or get it fixed. Yeah. Um, but anyway, good questions to round out the new year. So, for sure. Uh, we're going to be here next week, even though they aren't. Yeah. 
Exactly. So that's how I look at it. Exactly. Uh, all right. Now we got some topics to cover. We're going to buzz through them. Norm, what's first? Well, um, let's. We love talking about uh, COVID stuff, and and this is one that just came across my uh, email. Um, so this past week, this week actually, a judge in Virginia held a Virginia hospital in contempt because he, he had issued an order that they um, permit. And, and inject or treat a patient with uh, ivermectin. And, and uh, the hospital and all of the doctors who had uh, privileges at the hospital, none of them would do it. And uh, I, I have family that's in the medical um, uh, profession, and they, you know, these individuals have told me that basically if you prescribe ivermectin right now, you get on a bad list. Yep. Uh, the CVSs, the the Walgreens, uh, they are under uh, pressure um, by the federal government to maintain a list and to report back uh, to their boards of professional conduct any physician that issues uh, a prescription uh, or treats a patient with ivermectin. So a lot of doctors are super gun shy. Um, anyway, the family had asked. Uh, this person has languished since I believe the article said August or September in the hospital and was, and was declining. Um, and, and, uh, they said, you know, listen, um, the, the, there's been laws passed where you have the right to take experimental drugs. There's been legislation that has basically waived the liability for, um, doctors to, to, you know, like last ditch treatments of experimental non-approved medications and, and, and the, uh, family's like, you know, under that, you know, you should do what we ask because, you know, mom's about to die here and, uh, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. They found a, a doctor in private practice who did prescribe it. And the hospital said, well, she doesn't have privileges here at this hospital. So she can't prescribe it because the patient is in the hospital. Well, the judge struck that and, and, and ordered the hospital at $10,000 per day uh, for failure to do it, um, th- that they had to comply with the family's wishes. They wouldn't do it. A week went by, and then the hospital finally caved. Yeah, I did. I saw this. I read some of the documents on this. And this is a, this is a really interesting legal question to me. Leave aside the ivermectin, the medical, everything else for now. What, what the patient was asking for was a court to order somebody to do something not order somebody not to do something but order somebody to do something that's a rare bird in the legal world that's it's it's a it's an equitable remedy and i'm not i use that term as a term of art not a woke term but uh in the old law of equity or to let somebody else do something in this case it was the private doctor not the hospital correct you know, but you let, had to permit them to come into your hospital that's it yeah and, that's and, right Steve. And, and that's a uh, that's an extraordinary remedy. That isn't a typical thing. So when people say, you know, this guy wouldn't sell me the house, uh, I'm going to go force him to sell me the house. You're, you're probably not going to get the house. You're going to get the value that you lost. You're going to get your cost. You're going to get some other things. But rarely will the court say you have to do this uh, or you have to permit this. They don't like it because think about it. You're using the government to order some, an independent citizen or an independent entity to do something. That's, that just doesn't happen very often, but there's a provision for it. Um, we call that specific performance or uh, an equitable remedy. So here what you have is a patient who is in the hospital with COVID and a doctor not with privileges at the hospital 
prescribing COVID or prescribing ivermectin. And incidentally, I do believe that on the CDC website somewhere uh, or FDA, ivermectin is an approved drug. I mean, it, it, it it's not a an experimental, no. Uh, no. you know, no, not like, at all. Uh, go to Mexico and get cancer treatment no. type five thing years or South a, America. Five, five years ago, they gave a Nobel Prize to a guy yep. who came up with various human uses to for ivermectin and including yeah. all I, I think malaria all kinds of crazy yeah. stuff it's like hydrochloroquine it's and it's cheap yeah. it's readily available right. there's tons of it and i'm pretty sure that if we uh ran the uh the new uh pfizer therapeutic drug through the old gas chromatograph it would probably come out with a lot of ivermectin type stuff in it um it, they, like they've got this new drug that's going to be prescribed as a therapeutic and uh so i i always follow the money on this stuff but that aside um, the hospital gets the order, um, and then their legal department hangs it up. They're like, well, nobody here is going to help administer it. So all the order says is that this doctor can prescribe it. doesn't mean we have to administer it. Uh, they went back. They got fined pretty severely for that. Yeah. And I, I heard yesterday this, this gal finally got uh, her ivermectin. Yeah. And there was another case in New York where they were trying to do this. I think it was New York City. The court refused, and the patient dies. Now, you can't say that's what caused it, but – it, you'll never know otherwise, right? No, you, right. You, that's sure. that's the problem with it. Sure. And there's a whole. I, I'd be curious to get your family's thoughts on this in the medical industry because there there's a whole school of doctors who just two years ago, pre-COVID, would have been like peer-reviewed, published professional experts. They want they have developed a therapeutic regimen to treat COVID independent of a vaccine. They're not saying don't get the vaccine. They're saying no. look, if you have COVID, here's a great protocol to treat it. Well, most people. I mean, just just to give you a stat to bolster your point, Steve, most people in the hospital right now with COVID have been vaccinated. Yeah, I heard Omicron is like uh, seven <laughs> out of 10 people who have uh, the new Omicron variant have been vaccinated. Yeah, but I'm talking about e- even worse conditions. So like lots of people have been vaccinated, but they're at home. They've got COVID now, even though they've been vaccinated, but they're at home. They're kind of mild symptoms. The people in the hospital, the majority of the people in the hospital with COVID, because the majority of the population has been vaccinated. Like 80% now, right? Yeah, so so it just stands. I mean, this is not outrageous, right? This is common sense. The majority of the people in the hospital with COVID are vaccinated people. Yeah, no, that's a good statistical point. So if you have 80% of the population uh, has been vaccinated and we still have COVID cases, and it just stands to reason that if the majority of the population that is susceptible to COVID is is vaccinated, then the majority of the population, <laughs> the majority that goes to the hospital, also be vaccinated. But yeah, um, so now we're up to the fourth booster. I mean, you know, I mean, basically, it's not a vaccine; it's a therapeutic. I mean, they keep calling it a vaccine, but a vaccine is something that, like, you're vaccinated and you're good for a few years, right? Yep. Or, or maybe life in some some vaccinations, you're good for the rest of your life. Yeah. This is not working out that way. No, and it, it didn't even fit the definition of vaccine under the uh, CDC regulatory scheme. I think yeah. they changed the definition. Right. And I'm not uh, anti-vax. I'm just saying, you know, if it's if it's a pig and not a horse, you know, you got to call it by the right thing. And they're not. Yeah. And did we talk about this last week, how they just changed the definition? So I think we talked about this off the air, So, but it's relevant. So anti-vax, um, I, I, I heard this and I looked it up. They, the or Webster, or Webster, Webster online yeah. has yeah. changed their official definition of anti-vaxxer. Right. Uh, it used to be somebody who is against vaccines. Now it's somebody who's against vaccines or vaccine mandates. Wow. Which, which to me is lunacy because those are independent things. I mean, I can be, right. 
I, I can be vaccinated to the hilt, but I still don't agree that the government can cram down vaccinations. I mean, well, that's a very re- I mean, a, a, reasonable a, position. Sure, and an analogy would be like if uh, if if all kids were compelled to go to a public school. And, and you had parents that said, "No, we want the right to send some of our kid to send our kids to private school." Then you would label those parents anti-education. Mm-hmm. No, you wouldn't. It's they, like <laughs> it's like 1984. No, they're the against, Ministry of Truth. They're against the mandate. They're not against education. They're not against vaccines. They're against the concept of being told yes. you have to get something when it's your body. Yep. I mean, you, you know, it's like it's like the duh. masks, right? There was there were two independent questions. One, if used absolutely perfectly every time, all the time, the first question is, do masks prevent the spread of the virus? And then the second question is, does a does a mask mandate help prevent the spread of the virus? And they're two independent questions. Yes, they are. And, sure. and people yes. just couldn't get their heads around it. No. Like, I, like you no. couldn't. I'm not. I'm not even answering either question. But right. they were two independent questions. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're gonna we're, we've we've made a commitment today to try to hit these topics and hey, move on. I think we got to talk about Jussie Smollett and the sentence uh, that's uh, looming. Is it Monday? I believe uh, yeah. when they're next uh, going to be in court. And uh, you know, I I, I think you know, I'd like to hear what you guys think of that. Uh, I, I mean, to me, it's an enormous crime <coughs> if he's guilty. If he's found guilty which the jury did find him guilty. Now he's going to be sentenced. Um, you know, I think it's the equivalent of an intentional Mrs. Murphy's cow lighting the city of Chicago on fire. I mean, basically, you know, he stuck a fuse in a bomb. He lit the fuse and then he stood back to see what would happen. And the only reason we know this is fake is because they basically have the downtown Chicago wired for video. They can't find any of the stuff that he says happened on video. And the two co-conspirators <laughs> came forward and busted him. Yeah. The, 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 whatever their names are. Yeah, the, they snitched on him. Yeah. The, whatever, the Soprano. Well, they brothers, got his phone. They, they checked their records. And lo and behold, there's these coincidental phone calls to these individuals. And, yeah. you know, it all unravels from there. But, right. um, so he's been convicted. It's a, at this point you can't look at this like he didn't do it. Now th- this is a, a that may seem obvious, but it's not so obvious all the time. So if I have a case, like, you don't want to go into sentencing and say I'm innocent. Sentence me less. Um, it, it it doesn't work that way. You've been convicted. You've been legally convicted. There's a guilty verdict on record. It has been entered into the uh, court records, and uh, it's a journalized final deal he's convicted now he can appeal and that could change but for now he's convicted so you, you, like whether he's innocent or not is off the table right now he goes into a sentencing what to do what's a court going to do i just talked to somebody about this the other day not smollett generally but like will it be worse if i have a trial and and lose versus going to plead guilty to the same thing and by worse they mean if i have a trial and lose is the judge going to give me a harsher sentence asking for mercy basically yeah kind of it's like if you lose at trials the judge going to impose what we call in my business a trial tax like just because you wasted my time just because now you've been found guilty i'm going to give you a, a harsher sentence now every judge would say no they don't do that and then they would justify giving you a harsher sentence by saying well because of the trial i heard facts and circumstances that made this worse to me and, and there's some truth to that, probably. Yeah. There's probably also some underlying consideration that this jackass made me sit through this trial. He didn't really have a good defense and blah, 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 blah. There are other cases that go the other direction. I call them self-mitigating. That's my term. So I know that if I'm getting offered something, say, a cell, like an like a imperfect self-defense, 
and uh, I roll the dice at trial and lose, I know that the facts as they emerge at trial are mitigating. They're helpful to me. They, right. they make my client appear better. Right. It's, it's not, that, that's certainly the minority of cases, but right. it does happen. So Smollett, like as I look at Smollett and try to think what's going to make his sentence harsher, what would make it more likely to, to give him a light sentence? And Norm, you mentioned a few facts. Like one, Chicago was a powder keg at the time, and this was like throwing a match into a racial or racially charged. Um, it was right before the election. Yeah. And in, in in the ABC interview he gave with uh, what's her name, Robin Wright, I oh. believe her name. Oh. He 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 stated quite clearly um, that uh, he he said, uh, you know, I've been uh, very firm on my uh, opposition to the White House, meaning the current then at that time, the then current Trump White House. And uh, and lo and behold, uh, the uh, phony attackers, he said, were, um, were wearing MAGA hats. Mm-hmm. So and screaming, this is MAGA country. Yeah, so it's pretty like, clear that this was every bit of a hate crime. I mean, it was, it was, it was politically motivated. There was animus. He admitted in the interview, and this was back when he was maintaining his innocence a year ago, or when you know, two years ago, whenever this happened. Uh, he was maintaining his innocence to ABC News, and at the time, he was even talking about his animus against uh, the Republican uh, White House. Yeah, so this is an interesting juxtaposition about the hate crime scenario. I hate hate crimes. I think they're stupid. I think, well, I yeah, think Kevin absolutely. Had, but if you're going to have them, they need to be applied they equally. Go both ways, I right? Mean, you you got to mm-hmm. be kidding me. And this it's, is it's the like it's like the black supremacist up there uh, that that went through the Christmas parade. Okay, on the record of hating white people because they're white. Okay, recidivist black supremacist drives his van or car, whatever it was, Mm -hmm. kills like eight people, injures like 30. Okay, and he's just like Colin Ferguson, you know, in the New York subway years ago, that's walking down the the subway, popping off white people and not killing black people. And and I think he was uh, from Haiti or Jamaica or wherever he was from. But I mean, it was clear that he was he was killing based on race. Yeah, and I mean you got to be kidding me. These we and, and I first heard this term on uh, on the radio the other day, the term black supremacist, and I I straightened up in my seat and I said, you know what? Why not? Why shouldn't that term exist? If there are white supremacists that believe in the purity and the superiority of the white race, which is bullshit. Why, why, if there are black people who think the same thing about the black um, condition of, of, of having black skin, which again is bullshit. I mean, they're both bullshit. Sure. Okay. But why, if you're going to have one term that, that is, is a horrible term, then I think, yeah, it, you know, you got to have the other one. Yeah. This is my, this is why I don't like hate crimes is because somebody has to be the arbiter of what is a hate crime. And, you know, you would think that it would be defined by law, but it's not defined by law as saying black against white or uh, man against woman or man against homosexual or female against whatever. It's like a hate crime. You'd have to see how it's defined. Is it racially motivated? I'm guessing it would say. And I'm guessing it, it would also be subject to what prosecutor wants to or what the prosecutor wants to charge. So I, I and I don't think he was charged with a hate crime, and I don't even know if there's one that would exist that would have. No, I have no idea. No, he, but, Jesse was not charged with that. But but in sentencing, 
I think the judge has to view that this guy is not apologetic. He, the, his lawyers did not present evidence of him being mentally unstable or having some kind of condition. Right. I, I mean, it was just a flat out denial. No, sir, this sure. never happened. So I mean, this is this is where you get a trial tax and it's justified or, or you get a, a, a harsher sentence for having a trial because if I go to trial and I have no defense or my defense, the linchpin of my defense is my client's perjured testimony. Yeah, that's bad. That's really bad. And he perjured himself. <laughs> um, now, I, I do believe in uh, that the animus behind your criminal behavior uh, fits into the sentencing decision, but it doesn't necess- It should not fit into the charge, right? If that makes sense. So yeah. if I if I pummel somebody because of their race, and I have a choice as a judge, or if my if a guy in front of me and I'm a judge pummel somebody because of their race, um, and my choice is a three to ten, three years up to ten years. I've got some discretion there. Yeah. And I think I can consider all facts and circumstances. And one of the things that I've just found, having done this for 26 years or so, representing folks charged with crimes, lots of people, maybe most people who have committed some crime, and I stand in front of a judge and I'm asking for a sentence that's lighter than what uh, somebody else is asking for, I'm going to look to things like um, humility, acceptance of responsibility, an explanation for the behavior, even if it's bad, even if it's like, look, I suffer from a little bit of uh, insecurity. Uh, I needed attention. I'm going to counseling and I'm ferreting this out. I'm trying right. to figure out what caused me to do this ridiculous uh, act. Right. Um, I'm going to have a better shot. If I go to trial, however, and my client testifies and says, I didn't do nothing wrong. Not only that, how dare you even read my own tweets to me because they're racially charged. Um, then, you know, you're going to get... It, he suffers from pride <laughs> and arrogance, yeah. and he's going to pay the price. I think his I think his max sentence is three years, and he didn't do himself any favors. I mean, the judge didn't like him, from what I understand. Dude, the black police chief of Chicago was on fire about the wasted man hours yeah. that you know that his officers, you know, spent investigating this. I mm-hmm. mean, they went through every minute of film of downtown Chicago wow. to try to find this incident. Like $136,000 in restitution, I think they're asking I mean, for. it, it oh, was wow. off the hook. Yeah. It was off the, and it is outrageous. I yeah. mean, J- Dave Chappelle, you know, has done a little stand-up a thing about the, you know, basically saying that the tuned-in black community knew from the beginning this was a bullshit story. It just smelled, it smelled from the outset. And I was like, I'm just going to hold off until I know the evidence on this one because something doesn't seem right. Right. But, uh, so I think he's going to get whacked, and I don't think he had to. I think there was a way that if I represented him, it would start in the conference room uh, to start setting a certain attitude and expectation about what needs to be done to defend this case. Dude, wouldn't you go right to sent? Wouldn't you do no low contendere and just go right to sentencing and say, "Look, he had contract coming up. He he suffers from from some kind of uh, you know, narcissism." There'd be an immediate psych assessment. Absolutely, there would be uh, some and- counseling and therapy. But you and know, he's a first-time offender. Go prostrate in front of the judge and just say, "Sir, listen, biggest biggest yeah. mistake of my life. I am so sorry. I I want to do community service. I apologize to the citizens of my city. I I, I am I am disgraced, and you know yes. I, I lay myself before you and ask for some whatever mercy you can give. And right. there there are, there are several things that can send us in the wrong direction. Um, one would be the client. So no matter what I do on some, what I, no matter what conversation I have with certain clients, I can't, you know, they're not going to change their attitude. But a lot of times, a client's going to take a cue from me, and they should. 
So if I, if I am talking to a client who has an attitude, maybe like Smollett's, like I didn't do nothing wrong. This is a bunch of crap, blah, 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 blah. This deny, is all deny, blah, blah, deny, blah, 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 right. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, how I approach that as that person's attorney is very critical to the outcome of the case. You know, it, certain people, you can't just say, you're wrong, do it my way. Yeah. It would take some time to talk through the case, get to know who my client is and what's making that person tick and develop a trust relationship. So then we can talk Turkey on exactly what I think is going to happen at trial. Then we can shift gears and say, all right, since this is inevitable, now we need to figure out how to make sure that you don't go to prison. Yeah. And you know, that is, but on the other hand, if I have, if I'm an activist lawyer and I've said this for years, Lawyers don't represent causes. They represent clients. I represent individuals. I strongly believe in that. I don't care about color. Yeah. I don't care about any of it. Right. I represent an individual. Right. And if I go in there representing a cause, then my client suffers. So he's going to take that cue. He's going to say, you're for the cause. You're for this, this, my sin. You're on my side on this. Right. Um, you're on my racial side, on my sexual preference, whatever it would be. Yeah. And I'm going to go carry that flag with my client. Uh, it'll, uh, it's a path that leads to hell. He's going to get convicted. It's going to be worse on him. Maybe I got some headlines as a lawyer, but I've done no service at all to better his situation. I don't know if that happened in Smollett's case. Um, he seems like a guy that would be hard to control as a, as an attorney, you got to get some client control over that guy. But, um, he was certainly fueled by the cause and it's going to hurt him. Let's, I think we should go around the horn and we all take a guess at what the sentence is going to be. I think that'd be interesting. We could talk about it next week. All right. What's so, your prediction? So it's the max three? I think it's up to three years is what I heard his exposure is. I thought I, thought I heard 15 years. Oh. oh. Well, we better figure that out. He was found guilty on five counts out of six. Are they? Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. And and each of those five carried three. Ooh. So well, I think, yeah. yeah. So I think he's up. I think he's up for... Uh, for 15 max, which, you know, I mean, he's not going to get that, but right. But at any rate, like hmm. you gotta, you gotta guess, Brett. I mean, you gotta, I mean, wing I it, for, man. Probably five, five, six. And then maybe you won't do the max, but and then, and then get out, yeah. you know, on, you know, good behavior, good behavior, and all that kind restitution, of, yeah. community. See, I'm reading here that he can get up to, th- get up to three years. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. I bet he gets the max then. I bet he gets three, but maybe time off for good behavior and, you know, if, finally, if, if he, if, if, he if, if he is good and definitely restitution, I'm going to say, I'm going to say two years, Steve, I'm going to say, I, I don't think he's going to get that much. I think what's going to happen with Smollett is that he's going to get a taste. He's going to get a, um, shock. He's going to get, we, in Ohio, he's called ship and shock. Now we call it judicial release. He's going to have to do some jail days, probably not prison. He's going to have to do some jail days. That's not even ship and shock, but he's going to get some small amount of custody to say. What, in six months? I would I would predict something between 30 days and six months at the most. Okay. Um, enough to make a TV movie out of it, maybe. <laughs> sure. and, well, you know, enough to say, well, listen, yeah. jackass. Yeah, yeah right. This yeah. is the real deal. Right. A smackdown. Because yeah. I honestly do not believe, yeah. Yeah, and I don't believe that sending Smollett to prison for three years or five years will solve any of this. No, well, think of it what though, the system had to do to bring this guy to you court. Bet. You know, the original prosecutor, right, w- refused to prosecute him. Sure, because like the, a community service deal or something. The, well, yeah. Kim, whatever her name is, is buddies with him. Like, they're yep. friends. And that's been documented. Like, they're, they're associates, they're friends, they're social friends. And then they had to bring in a special prosecutor because the police department wigged out over this. Yeah, they were pissed. I mean, they, they were pissed. They were like, you have got to be kidding me. And it's so, you know, on the one hand, um, 
Smollett was fueled by all sorts of uh, favoritism. And yeah. on the other hand, he participated in it. So I, you know, I just see it this way. Is Jesse Smollett a real threat to society going forward? What is going to be a sufficient punishment, not only to tell Smollett, hey, wake up and get your head out of your ass, right. but also tell the rest of the world, like, you can't do this crap. Our country, this, this is bad th- enough as it is. That's we don't the need- third, third part that I'm looking at. Yeah. Too. It's like, you got to stop this crap. Yeah. So exactly. restitution, too. He's got the money. He's got the money. So yeah, you take the restitution. If I'm his lawyer right now, he's writing a big check to the or to the Chicago Police Department, <laughs> and that would have happened before trial. Right? Before the case, Like that's the first thing that happens. Yeah. Secondly, um, he's going to come in humble, and he's going to say, I didn't realize that I had this big a tiger by the tail and I got caught up in it. I can't believe I did it. I can't believe I was part of it. I can't believe I did what I did judge. All I can tell you is I woke up. It's just too late. Gotcha. That, that, that's how I'd handle this. So does, you're, does, you're, it, does he have that in him though? So you're at a max six months. Uh, uh, Brett says three. I'm at two. Yeah. I think we all agree. Restitution is yep. definitely yeah. in play yep. and some kind of community service. Yeah. Now what would I get? So there's two questions really. Maybe I should change my tune. What I would give him versus what I think the judge will give him. I think the judge may give him a year. I'd give him 30 days. I'd, I, if they, whatever their version of ship and shock up there, I would either do that and send them to the big house prison or I'd make him do local days, like thirty to six, thirty days to six months, something like that, and then reevaluate it half and maybe let him out. Um, and and you would say, well, he's getting it light versus everybody else, but that's not. You know, it's like this is a bad crime, it's a horrible crime, but uh, and if, what the intention was is 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 uh, so ugly, and and so could have potentially have been so tragic it could have been right yes. i mean it's just yeah. off the hook i mean we're talking a race riot but it wasn't and now t- this will this will largely depend i think on how small handles himself at sentence i heard he was late for the verdict i mean they're, they're, he's not doing himself any favors now nah. but um <laughs> okay well we got that we, yeah. we shall see hmm. um should i continue yeah what's next okay i'm being the secretary here this morning <laughs> um i'd like to talk about another legal thing so uh the boy scouts of america's insurance company added 800 million dollars to the fund which is now up to 2.5 billion dollars to settle various uh sexual predator claims now both of my sons are eagle scouts uh i'm a life scout I was an assistant scoutmaster. I was a den mother. Yes, a mother. Um, because, you know, sometimes uh, dads uh, take that role. Uh, you know, so I, I, I've been dipped in Boy Scoutism. And I have to say, okay, in probably my direct participation, 15 years uh, of, of participating in Boy Scouts, I never once saw anything at all until the the latter days of my involvement with the organization that smelled smacked or or looked like any kind of abuse i mean i never i never saw a kid come out of a tent crying after he visited a scoutmaster or any I, I never saw anything like that i never saw blood in anybody's underwear you know i never saw anything uh, or heard of any complaints now that's just anecdotal sure. okay so mm-hmm. that that's my experience what is unbelievable to me about this Boy Scout thing and what's unbelievable to me about the Catholic Church priest predator uh, thing, and, and, and I just want to say up front, I think in both cases, it's a very, very small percent of priests and a very, very small percent of adult 
volunteers in the Boy Scouts. I mean, I'm talking one, maybe two percent. I, I I don't believe maybe that. Maybe less. Maybe it might less. Be, it might I be mean, fractions. I think might be a fraction. I, yeah. I might. It, it. I just think it's a tiny amount. But in both cases, okay, and this is going to be controversial. And I apologize to people, you know, who think that I'm attacking them. I'm not attacking them. But I think when you change the rule book and you say that boys can express their homosexual desires in, in, uh, in an all-male uh, youth environment, okay, which the Boy, Boy Scouts did that. They, they did admit that, uh, they, that boys would go on camping trips together, okay, sleeping together in the same tent, and that boys who have homosexual desires and talk about them and are open about them, in other words, they're outed. They're not in the closet. They're out. They were allowed to do this. And adult leaders then, a few years later, were allowed to be leaders in the Boy Scout who were avowed and open homosexuals. And that doesn't mean they're bad people. But what I'm saying is, if you flip that and you say, okay, Norm Murdoch, uh, an avowed heterosexual, would like to go camping with the Girl Scouts, okay, I can see thousands of people out there rise up and say, no, that's an outrage. You're not going into the woods with a, a, a predisposition that you like women. You're not going into the woods with my daughter, buddy. You're not going to take my daughter on a camping trip into the woods. So what I'm very confused about the Boy Scouts policies and yet this settlement thing is is to me it seems like they made their policies such that it is more likely rather than less likely that there will be predators i mean what they basically said is yeah okay we've had some incidents in the past and some people have come forward and they're credible and there was a predator uh there was sexual harassment and sexual uh assault uh on these children but what we're going to do to fix it is not only pay them, the, the victims, but in the future, we're going to admit more people, adults as well as boys, that have this interest in same sex and well, let them go camping together. Let me, let me, You've got to be kidding me. Let, me. let me unpack this. I'm thinking out loud as I go. First, um, I don't think it's necessarily true that just because I like girls or I like boys that I like, or I like the same sex mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I'm going to be attracted to a, a, uh, the, the child version of the that's same you're sex. A, that's your pedophile. Pedophile, right. Pedophile. That's, that's, a, that's a different ball of wax. I yes. totally agree, but you would never allow a male to lead girls. In, well, no, that happens. No way, it does not Well, maybe happen. not in the Girl Scouts, but I guess no in like way. basketball no. coaches or, or yeah. stuff like that. Dude, I'm talking about sleeping in tents. Fair right? enough. You got to be kidding me. But whether gonna... you would allow it or whether it would be riskier are two different things. Well, it's obviously riskier. So you're talking about policy, and now here's where I think that there's a problem for the Boy Scouts. Is that here's here's what I would like to know. I wonder why, when reported, and because I guess this is probably true that there were reports of abuse, and I guess it's also true, and I'm guessing that um, the Boy Scouts sort of rug swept it or didn't do what needed to be done 
to nip it in the or bud. Or didn't even know about it. Well, no, I'm assuming there were reports. So if they didn't know about it, that's a different thing. If they did know about it and rug swept it, the Catholic Church did this. Mm-hmm. We handled it in-house and we're dealing with it. And then the person would go on to commit like 50 other they assaults. They kept moving them around city to yeah, city and it kept you know, happening that, over and over That's again. reprehensible to me. Right. And, so, and, right. I right. agree. I yes. wonder if that happened in the Boy Scouts. And then you would have to ask why. And I think it's fear of retribution mm-hmm. for appearing that you're discriminating or you don't want the blowback so you're covering it up or you don't want to be appearing that you're discriminating against homosexuals or something like that that's usually when people start bringing out their checkbooks when stuff right. gets exposed yeah. right. because yeah. if it's happening and they didn't know and it wasn't reported then the only claim you have is they weren't doing enough to make sure it wasn't happening that's a harder claim than they knew and did nothing to stop it mm-hmm. so the legal fund i'm guessing has something to do with the second variety of that they had some reason to know and rug swept it for whatever reason it is. Didn't have policy in place, or they just didn't want to deal with they it or something. They didn't want the embarrassment, yeah. or they tried to yeah. keep it low-key, or they tried to just say, yeah. don't worry, we're going to move your son to a different troop, or don't worry about this. Or they had a guy who had a little bit of power because he was giving money, and he was there. Like, There's always something like oh, yeah. that going on. I can't tell now, you. I can't. So I'm not defending the Boy Scouts. I can't, I can't tell you about any of the facts of any of these cases. And, uh, you know, what's legit, what's not, what, what, what bothers me is the fix. What bothers me is the idea that you, you prepare the ground, okay, for a pedophile, for a predator pedophile by allowing that person to go, uh, to supervise children. We're we're talking about children. We're talking about people who are not in high school yet. Okay. In many cases that are in grade school. Okay, and you're talking about taking them on campouts, right? And Boy Scouts have this general philosophy that any interaction with a child should be what they call too deep. And what they mean by too deep is they mean two adults at any any interaction with a a, a boy. And I I don't know what the Girl Scouts do, but the Boy Scouts have this general policy in their training because I I was a, one of their leaders. Uh, in their training was if you, if a boy came to see you about like, Hey, I'm sick and you know, I need to go home and you know, it's middle of summer camp and I want my mommy and daddy. And he wanted to talk to you. You had to say, Hey, Bill, or Hey, Steve, bring in another adult and say, I I have little Joey here. He wants to talk to me. You had to make sure there were two adults in any interaction with that child. Okay. Now, now, we know that would not be universally followed, but that was the golden standard. That's, that's what the you, gold standard. That's what you would try to do. Predators aren't going to – they're not going to so – No, they're not like, going to do uh, that. This is like making stuff super, super illegal. You know, it doesn't right. change anything. No. So the predator is going to avoid that law altogether. Of course, right. And then we have all kinds to, of laws and, peop- and criminals yeah. disobey them. Sure, it's like gun rules. You're not allowed to buy a gun without a license, and that only is going to affect the people that are going to go buy a license. So here's know? what I'm saying. If you have an acknowledged homosexual – Okay, and he's a good guy, and he's been fingerprinted by the local police department, which all Boy Scout leaders—they all do, right? We yeah, had exactly. to be—I fi- had yeah. to be fingerprinted, and and they ran a background check on me, and I gave the local, in my case, it was the Gahanna Police Department. They get they ran a, a background uh, check, and and I, uh, you know, I had to make that available to the Boy Scouts to screen me. So, and 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 the uh, Catholic Church, because I was a football coach at at, at a Catholic church. Same thing, fingerprinted, background check. No problem. I had no problem doing that. 
And I have no problem with somebody being a homosexual. I have no problem with somebody being a heterosexual and no problem being a bisexual. I don't have any problem with who anybody wants to go to bed with. That's not the issue. The issue is children, camp out, sleeping, predator. I mean, it is a perfect hunting zone for a predator. Sure it is. And, and I would no more go, if I had a girl, and 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 she and she was in the Girl Scouts. I would no more go to her troop or or her organization and say, "Hey, you know, I, you know, I've got this beautiful wife, and you know, I, I dated women my whole life, and obviously I'm interested in women, and I love women, and you know, I love sex with women, and all that stuff, right? Okay, which is all fine, um, just like it is for homosexual men or or women, and that's fine too. But if I want to take little kids other people's little kids on a camp out, I understand the comfort level there that that you don't want to prepare the ground for somebody who might be an unknown pedophile. And right. and so and so I would just say no. Our rules are if we're gonna take people to a hotel or to a campground that no, I you, you can be you can be a leader in the organization, but in, in on those overnight trips, no, you can't. But you could be a pedophile whether you're straight or that's right. Hom- yeah, so, so, so I, I guess I, I guess the I'm scenario pushing you're pushing. Yeah, I guess say the scenario you're talking about that I, I don't understand. Here's the we, we got to eliminate all of this. Then we well, got to eliminate every just, camping trip well, ever again. No, no, that's why I just said as a male, I would not advocate myself as an overnight. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put myself in that risk situation. Hell, not no. because I think I'm prone to do something. Because I don't want a false allegation. Well, exactly right. right. So, right. so, so, Brett, I'm not saying. Oh. I'm saying it does apply to hetero and. Oh, right. Okay. I'm saying oh, it applies. Enough. Okay. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. But I, would, I don't think if you're saying that a homosexual is more likely to be a pedophile with other boys. No, than I'm a not. Non, okay. So okay. No, I'm not. Good. No, I'm not in yeah. any way saying that. Okay. I'm saying same-sex parents. Okay. I'm saying I'm saying same sex parents uh, or hetero parents, either way, where there is an interest that is expressed that they are interested in that gender of children uh, or that gender that the children happen to be. Okay, not that they're pedophiles, but that they're interested in other men or they're interested in women, then they should not. They should not go on those overnighters. Yeah, with see, I, I don't think I care. I don't think I care that if the Boy Scout troop leader happens to be gay, it wouldn't make any difference to me if it's a man. So if I took your little girls on a camp out, out in the woods, you'd have no problem with that, knowing that I'm very interested in hetero relationships. I would, if I had daughters, because it's exactly the same. If I had daughters and I know you, and you're going to go camping with them, I wouldn't care. Now, if you had a propensity. Or a history. Well, I have a propensity to be interested in females. Yeah, so I and love these females are, too, but I these have are no young. attraction whatsoever to young to girls. Right. Now, now here's where I do Well, nobody would express that interest so as he, a. Nobody would say, "Hey, I'm a pedophile." Here's the question, though, uh, and, uh, and this one's harder for me. Yeah. If you have a 21 year old gay male and a 17 year old postpubescent uh, boy scout, yes, who happens to be gay, well. And a twenty-one-year-old would be right. that, a, like if they're if they're close in age and and have the same sexual propensity. I think it's more likely that something could happen there, but it's probably less likely. Uh, I, I don't see a correlation between I'm attracted to men, grown-ass men, and therefore 
I'm worried that uh, I'm going to be my seven year old is going to be attacked. I'm attracted to a seven year old. Yeah, like I'm attracted well, to grown ass women. Then why don't the Girl Scouts let men take their girls on campouts in the woods? I think because they don't. And here's here's why I think that is because, one because, because your perception is accurate, and two because I think by and large pedophiles are men, or or or, or uh, people who abuse little girls are men by and large. Well, and by and large, yeah. but statistically, the, by, by, by a huge margin, and by and large, the victims of the homosexual priests were little boys. Yeah, they were little boys. Yeah, yeah. but they were yeah. also the altar boys, and there were some. Of the, yeah, you're right. So, so yeah, I am right. So, but, <laughs> thank you. You're, you're I right am about, right. You're right. You're right about that. But it doesn't mean that um, just because a guy is gay, he's going to be more no. likely and I'm not to say- abuse a kid. I am not saying that in any way. Okay. I'm, what I'm saying is. The, the way that you prevent um, the way that you prevent as much pedophile activity as possible is you try to disassociate the purient interest, if you will, yep. of somebody, which I have a purient interest in adult women. OK, I mean, you know, women turn me on. I love women. And, and, and you know, uh, presumably most men are like me. So that's why the Girl Scouts would not let me take their little girls into the woods, not because they think I'm a pedophile, no. but just because there's right. a comfort level to the parents. I you love know. it. Yeah, so we're gonna, we're gonna. Okay. I guess right. what I'm saying is this: I think we would need to identify characteristics that make somebody more likely to be a pedophile. Because I'm sure there are. I'm sure they're out there. Well, dude, that is a screening that no one's capable of doing. You're talking about some deep psychology. But I got you. But you're sure. doing it, though, by saying. So is it true, then, that if I happen to be attracted to men, I'm a greater risk to be a pedophile? And if the answer is no, then that's not any more a qualification to uh, or a disqualifying factor for me than anything else. Now, if I'm a, if I'm a guy and I'm going to the little Girl Scouts, I think just because I'm a guy... I am more likely to be a an abuser of little girls because I think statistically speaking, that's true. Um, and so you could say the same thing, but you can't disqualify every guy from being a Boy Scout leader either. Yeah, so, I, I don't yeah, think. Because, I, yeah, because you could put that on that you cannot have a female basketball coach for a varsity basketball game. Yeah, I mean, because you got a, a court full of 17, 18 year old men, men right. and so, it's a, and it's a female coach in her 20s and 30s. It's a tough question. Yeah, exactly. It's a tough question. Well, and vice versa right. with a male coach to a female well, varsity that, game. Well, but that's why that's why when you have a male coach of a female basketball team, there are chaperones when they do go out of town. Sure. Those, those mothers go along, man. And right. I know guys who have gone to like the, I mean, uh, the mothers go along, but that stuff happens on the reverse though, too, that a yeah. female coach with a male team. Yeah. Sure. It does. It does. My buddy used to go right. on like Indian princesses or something. And they, then the guys would take their daughters to these things and they would spend the night in camp and do whatever. So I, you know, I, I don't know. I think an organization should be able to make its own rules. I, well, look, look, I, I agree. We're just arguing yeah, about what the oh, rules yeah. ought to be. So, yeah. I, you know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with that at so all. So what I'm saying right. is I don't understand the Boy Scouts policy. You, you have an all-male organization of little boys, right? Mm-hmm. And then you say to the broad community that we accept homosexual leaders, and I accept them. No, I do. My, I believe that that's fine to have homosexual uh, leaders in the Boy Scouts. I do not think the one thing they should not be able to do is go on overnight campouts with little where the boys are under their protection and their tutelage because I think the uh, possibilities 
uh, even as remote as they are, just as they would be for a dad going on a camp out with little girls, would be a remote and small possibility. The organization ha- should have the right to, to decide, no, you know what, that's a little, there, there's, we don't even want to take a chance. Yeah, no, look, I, I think they do have the right to decide that. Well, they may not anymore, actually, under the under the latest That's uh, right. decisions yeah. of the Supreme Court. That's exactly right. But on the other hand, um, I, I don't think that necessarily I, – here's, here's, here's what it should be. The organization ought to be able to take whatever reasonable and necessary steps that it can in order to prevent child abuse. Right. Whatever that is, whatever right. it is, and, right? And I think that I think there and is I think a way. You, I think you err on the side of the child. What, oh, you and, have and to. And I had these questions. You, you don't err on the side of the adult. The, no, okay, no, no, so no, no, somebody's no, no. going to have their feelings hurt. So I'm a dad. I want to take little girls camping, and somebody says, "Hey, Norm, you can't take these little ten-year-old, twelve-year-old." girls camping just be, because it's going to make the moms nervous. Correct. Yeah. Right. Okay. I mean, even when the, when our kids were growing up and had a babysitter, my wife and I decided, no, Brett, you're not driving the babysitter home. Correct. You're not yeah. going to do that. Right. Exactly. But that's right. not going to happen. The girl babysitter, I should so, say. It's not going to happen. I had that's a guy, right. I had a buddy call that's me. Right. He was a coach at a youth football organization. I'm not going to say where. It was in the United States of America. <laughs> and one of the coaches, they found out, who had been involved in the program forever had been caught at the park a couple times. And by say caught at the park, going, there's like the, these guys going to the park and they'll hook up with, uh, you know, decent exposure and all sorts of other weird stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, I understand. And he just said, what do I do? He goes, we got these, he was asking me about, do I know anything about Robert's rules, which is the, all the I's say I. And I said, I don't know anything about that, but I know this. If you're the president, you just say he's banned. <laughs> End yeah. of story. And deal with the litigation later. See what Don't I'll- get caught. What I don't like about the law, Steve, okay, is we argue about the numbers of angels on a head of a pin. And we we argue always about, well, you don't want to ostracize this one good person, okay? And we do that to the detriment of the safety of the overwhelming yeah, Huge but that's not of, the law. That's the that's the woke. There there's some well, that's that, politics. This and that's, that's what the politics and that's what the homosexual camp out thing in the boy scouts is so, it's politics we're putting we are we are telling predators okay that if you want you know if you want a fertile ground you know to plow you know no no pun intended but if you want a fertile ground to plow and uh you know feign yourself as a good guy uh leader in the boy scouts you can be you can be yeah, as, but they could just hide their homosexuality and never tell anybody and well, just no, but in anyway. this case yeah. you can be open about i'm all i'm saying yeah. about is when somebody is open about it okay then in that case you just just like you know in the case of a male who wants to take little girls camping i see what you're saying you just say hey listen you Look, are your optics don't work you are expressing an interest in the in this particular gender subset Okay, and we can't therefore let you. Take Here's those the question kids. that makes your point: If you're a parent of a young boy, and your six-year-old son is going camping, is going to sleep in the tent with a homosexual man, do you have a problem with it? Well, the adults and the boys are never allowed to be in the same tent. Well, the, you get but, the idea, though. But it's in the same campground, yeah, and obviously idea. at two in the morning. Do I have a problem with it? And it's like I. It's like. I'd have to think about it. I would too. I'd have to think about it. I mean, my initial my and, initial gut tells me I don't have a problem with it because I'm hoping that the organization have, has safety measures. 
How, how, could they, how could they possibly have safety measures? I mean, well, they, they, they better, they, or they better, or that my calls. son won't be in it anymore. But they can't do they can't do a psychological evaluation of no. somebody who expresses that they're well, interested in other males, right? Well, and the safety measures being like you said, the two, 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 uh, two in, two up, or whatever it was. I mean, well, yeah, or all the all the, the middle of the night. I know, I know, yeah, I, I know. know. It's, 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 all right, so I know. I know. we're gonna we're gonna switch. Okay. To, we, we, switch. we had other topics to talk about. We're gonna we have to yep. cut it off. There we got to cut it off. So what we are gonna talk about is the one thing I want to talk about. Go. It is Christmas time. <laughs> I want to know the best and worst Christmas wow. songs. And by Christmas songs, I mean all of them going back in time. So the classics, uh, the song itself, performances perhaps by artists who you hear on the radio. Okay. Um, I got my worst. What's your worst? That chipmunk thing. <laughs> I forgot I, I, about I, that. God, I, I hate that. You know, Christmas, oh, Christmas, Christmas. Oh, come oh, on. Oh, funny. No, that, that destroys me. And, 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 and now, now, my favorite is the Elmer Fudd Blue Christmas. Oh, God, that's good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, now, I'll preface mine by saying I was on air for over a decade. So, Christmas. For like forty five days, that's all you played was Christmas music. So you got really sick of it real fast. Oh, that, but my 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 hated song, and my kids know this. My wife knows. Oh, hold on. <laughs> hold on, I didn't mean to do that. Right, <laughs> is so. is is Jose Feliciano's Feliz Navidad? <laughs> I hate that song. It, it just is the same verses over and over, but a different chord. You know? So it's like the but, theme to Flipper or uh, Gilligan's Island. It sticks in your head. Yeah, and I, you, just, you can't I just get, get tired of it. Yeah, yeah. Right. and I get you know, and I'm, I don't have a favorite song per se, but I love Ella Fitzgerald's any rendition of stuff that she does for Christmas. Oh, just she, a classic. Ella was awful. 50s and 60s this stuff. This is oh, the worst God. Christmas song of all time. Oh, this is horrible. Yeah. I don't know if we're catching this. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is horrible. Stop. Right. Stop it. Yeah. Please. Yeah. All right. So I don't think oh. I caught the recording of that because I didn't have that, that track oh, on. But oh my God. That is a wonderful Christmas time by Paul McCartney. Yeah. It is the worst. It is the worst Christmas yeah. song of all. Now here's what's funny. I was up hunting with my buddy in Michigan <laughs> and it was his favorite. Oh, he loves no. it. And I'm like, what is good about that? It is it is awful. It is tuneless. <laughs> it is it's it's horrible. It is it is it yeah. is just made for Christmas, and it's that's got it. No nothing. depth. It's, it's got no nothing. Depth, yeah, it's right. just junk, and you can't believe an ex. You can't God. believe it. You can't believe an ex Beatle did that, can you? It, it's I awful. Know. But yeah. it's a classic Beatle debate. So you had Paul. You had John uh, Lennon, who was like this deep, uh, dark, disturbed, soulful guy, and then uh, you had Paul McCartney, who was like, "Oh blah dee, oh blah da." Uh, you know, it's like the, the two different ebony versions. and ivory, and uh, all uh, of the other awful. schlock songs. Just, I mean, it was just, it was just cheesed up. That's the worst. Even live and let die. On your favorite, then. Uh, I've got a couple. I love uh, Merry Little Christmas. Have yourself a Merry Little Christmas. I love that. Um, Anything almost on the Bing Crosby Christmas album. Yeah. Uh, White Christmas. That, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. Well, how about the big controversial one, right? It's cold outside. I love that song. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dino, I mean, the, Dino's version. We, we, we just yeah. talked about Predators, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Cancel well, me. I don't care. I mean, that's, yeah. been that's, called, that's awesome. Uh, that, that's been called like a rape song. Yeah, I know. That's yes. stupid. Um, Isn't it, that stupid? But the girl turns the, title, the, turns the table on him a little bit, too. So there, there's a little bit going on back and forth of that. Right. But it, to me, that reflects real human oh. male female interaction oh he's trying and to reel her in man he's trying to reel her in and she's playing hard to get he's trying to reel in she's playing hard to get he's yeah. not forcing anything yeah. and, it's classic you know, it's it's that dance that if anybody's ever been turkey hunting you watch what goes on between that mating ritual or any other like wild animal it's like there's a there's you, a dis- steve there's steve, a display wait a i got a full stop 
you watch animals have sex, Steve. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't. I'm never going to Tur- be into Boy Scouts watching your kids. Tur- in the you, you, watch, you watch two turkeys going at it, man. Uh, you see, when you're calling in a male turkey who's all hot and bothered for some female, and you've got a female decoy out there, and you watch him just shred the damn thing. I mean, it, holy oh, God. Wow. It's like he gets up that's to That's what you guys do in the woods. Wow, man. Well, that's what we tell you we do. <laughs> <laughs> so, my best and worst, I mean, it's like, it's really like there's degrees of good, and then there's like wonderful Christmas time. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. at the bottom yeah. for me. Yeah, that's yeah. Horrible. it is horrible. And yeah. the chipmunks, I get it, but that's that's like, oh. that's that's purposely cheeky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. and, and there's a podcast out right now. I can't remember what the podcast show is called, but it, it had the backstory of uh, the Peanuts Christmas. Mm. It is a fantastic story. Yeah, it is. That it really is, and especially pushing that you know Charles wanted the scripture read in there, and CBS was pushing hard. This isn't going to happen. This isn't going to happen. Yeah. It ended up. You're doing a 40 share against Bonanza. It was not you. And Bonanza it was, was the program. Exactly. It was it back then. It kicked yeah. ass. Yeah. And they, CBS ordered up, boom, this is a, you know, it's just so funny how, you know. The, the, it would the, never the, happen today. The, the, the people who know yeah. what we want to watch have no freaking clue at times. It would, it would never, it, Charles Schultz would not have won that. Uh, no, no, uh, no, content, no. Contentious. That, that is probably the most moving part of that 22-minute cartoon. Well, it's like when astronaut you know? Pete Borman on Apollo 8 was uh, l- observing the Earth rise over the moon. When he came out from behind the moon and the three of them were in the Apollo capsule and he saw Earth rise and he started to read Genesis, mm. right? Mm-hmm, yeah. All that was real controversial. Yeah. God forbid, right, that, that anybody read a couple of lines out of Genesis you know, on a publicly funded mission. Right. Out of a, out of a book that defined our entire culture. Yeah, right. right. That's accepted so, by, you know, yeah. Charles Schultz, he, he, would, he would lose that today. Yeah. And, and yeah. speaking of, mm. of Christmas music, that's one of my favorite albums, too. If you, if the, Vince Guaraldi's mm. uh, oh, sort of the Peanuts fabulous Christmas, right. yeah. really, really phenomenal. But you're right. The, like the, the speech, Linus's speech there on the stage yes. at the end of that, it yeah. gives you chills. It does. Could, yeah. It well, gives we you chills. Couldn't yeah. do it today. It's amazing when they replay it that they leave it in. I, I, I wonder when they're going to yeah. edit it out. I, yeah. Sooner they will. Yeah. Now, as you see, Europe has now sort of suggested the e, the European Union will end with this. Actually, we'll try to come up with something better. <laughs> so, well, I got, we could transition to another Christmas question. Uh, we'll do that next week. I'm talking about the tree. The tree. The symbol. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, we'll do yeah, that next week. That, yeah. Really? In fact, maybe we should do both these next week. Because yeah, okay. the, the EE, the European Union, is is now suggesting that you downplay all all uh, symbols of of uh, Christianity. So the cross, the uh, well, I'm all ta- of it. I'm, I'm talking specifically about the arson. Yeah, Bernie. Okay, we'll, we'll hit it. Okay, I mean, because that's topical. It's topical. We'll hit okay. it. Okay, the uh, Fox uh, Square in New York City, they rebuilt that tree in one day, you know, and and relit it. Um, and it, it, I, this is more of an observation than a debate, or you know, unless you guys got something. I mean, I'm just want to observe that, you know, and 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 rightly so. In fact, if if a menorah or if a uh, a symbol of Islam or or you know Hindu or or whatever, if a religious symbol is burned, or a, or a house of worship is burned, or a temple is burned. Uh, you know, then, um, you know, that should trigger an investigation into whether or not there is a terrorist cell or some kind of uh, a f- movement afoot of, um, 
of people that uh, that that want to eliminate that religion or race of people. I mean, I think I think I think when you have like a black church attacked, uh, or when you have a synagogue attacked, or you have a a cemetery. Uh, with uh, the stars of David, uh, and they're all uh, bashed with a, a sledgehammer. Uh, those kinds of crimes. So I think they should be investigated, and, and they should be thoroughly investigated. It should be a warning to society that maybe there's some sickness you know, going on, and, and the police should look into that because you attack the symbols, and then the, the next step is you attack the people. Yeah, yeah and you're right? talking about the Christmas tree in uh, Times Square. That yeah, so why— down, Or so, not Times Square, at, uh, uh, at uh, Fox Square. Fox Square. So, right. so where I'm leading to this is symbols of Christianity are, are reg- routinely destroyed now. They're, they're routinely the objects— of, uh, you know, whether it's uh, crucifixes or, you know, in cemeteries or whether it's, uh, you, you know, a kid wanting to wear a, a necklace with a cross or or whether it's the, the Christmas tree in Fox Square, you know, routinely Christians are being denied or having their symbols destroyed. And uh, nobody seems to give a damn. Yeah. You know, it's the one religion you can seem to, you know, pardon the word, you can you can shit on that religion, but all the other religions, you know, you know, it, it's like it's like in Holland, they they did a little cartoon that had Muhammad in it. Next thing you know, Vincent Van Gogh's great 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 nephew or whatever he was is killed in the street, right? Because he he did a send up of Muhammad, and uh, same with that uh, newspaper in Paris that was uh, that was bombed. Sure. Because they did a little cartoon of, well, people do cartoons of Jesus doing all kinds of horrible, you know, uh, sick things. And uh, nobody cares about that. Yeah, I think like the public outrage, I think, is a telling indicator of what's going on out there in the world with respect to Christianity. I mean, it's certainly lost its, um, you know, it, it, we're living in a time where it's unpopular, probably. And I think they're, like the people who have lost their religion in the last three years or five years, is, is it's going up exponentially. Um, and if you go out and you abuse an Islamic symbol uh, or whatever uh, you would do there, it would be treated in the media significantly differently than somebody burning a Christmas tree. And now you, I agree with you. I don't know if that if some, it was just some teenage jackass who decided he's going to torch a tree and, and laugh about it, or if it was a legitimate attack on the Christian faith, but it is worthy of looking into Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and you would want to know that. But, you know, and I'm not I'm no I'm not shy about where I've been with my Christian faith these days. It's stronger than ever. And, and in fact, maybe stronger for the first time. Maybe. But um, it, it has never been, if you read the Gospels, a real popular thing. Right? It's no, like, no. You know, it's oh, almost, my gosh. It almost no. touts itself as a uh, right. people are going to hate you if you if you walk this path with us. They're going to hate you. Or if you walk this path with Christ, you're not going to be a popular person. Right. Um, but it's still right. And, and somehow I think that rings true is like the Christians don't really stand up um, like somebody uh, like a Muslim would and fight back and, and kill Van Gogh's grandson or do something. They just won't do it. Well, now, there's been plenty of crimes in the name of Christianity. I don't want to downplay that. But okay. well, uh, that's not what we're talking about. But that's right? not the faith. Yeah, that's that's not the gospel. Right. It's, it's not what you're supposed to do. Sure. Um, now people have tortured it and bastardized it and done things with it, but that's not what it's supposed to be. And it's almost like you just have to accept that you're not going to be popular. And, and you know, I think we're living in an era for the first time that that's, that's as true as ever. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, um, not the first time, first time in our lives. Well, yeah. um, right. I mean, they actually killed Christ. So that was pretty unpopular. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were subversives. Uh, subversives back in the day. Yeah. I mean, they were they were going to bring down uh, not only the Jewish hierarchy in Jerusalem and in, in 
you know, in uh, what be, later became Israel, uh, the, the, in that Roman state, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that um, you know, Pontius Pilate and, and Herod were overseeing, you know, one, the, re, the local religious uh, uh, coordinator, if you will, Pontius Pilate, and Herod, on the other hand, the Roman, you know, uh, atheist, you know, or, well, believed in the Roman gods, you know, I guess paganist. Um, and and uh, sure, so the Christians, the early, the, the proto-Christians were a definite threat. Yeah, they, were, and, they were subversive. And Christ himself was, an, was, a, was a direct threat to the power of the, of the established Jewish leadership of the Pharisees and, yeah. uh, and uh, Caiaphas was his name. I don't remember, but yeah. that, uh, yeah. Uh, and you know they didn't like it, so they started to find reasons to go after him. Sure, you know, because he was he was a direct attack on. The, he was criticizing how they were behaving. You know, they they had become woke. They had well, become well, sort I of mean, like we're virtue signaling our faith, and it's all nonsense. And if it, but and Christ would come along and say, well, you can virtue signal all you want, but you're not living it in your hearts. Well, if you talk to a rabbi today, rabbis will say, you know, they're still waiting for the. For the Savior, yes. they're 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 still waiting. Jesus was not the 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 one. He he was a great prophet, and you know he he had beautiful things to say. That this is the view today by modern Jews that you know Jesus was a great prophet and 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 uh, and had wonderful teachings and all, you know and lots of good stuff. Uh, but no, he's not the Son of God. We're still waiting for that guy. Yep. You know. that, that, that's their so he was a false prophet it, it to the to the contemporary Jews the the Pharisees it, he was a false prophet and he was touting himself as the son of God right mm-hmm. which 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 was a blasphemy oh yeah I mean he was I saying mean, to them the, it was in, a blas- in, it's in, like in, this guy's running around saying he's the son of God he's part of the Trinity you got to be kidding me and how how dare yeah. he heal a blind right. man on exactly. the Sabbath right, right. <laughs> yeah how dare right. you do your miracle anyway yeah. all right so well we'll wrap it up with that uh this has been really another great roundtable Christmas time roundtable uh we do know the best and worst Christmas songs now which is maybe the most <laughs> important thing you could take away from all this uh and uh you know as always a couple quick wrap-ups if you like uh if you like the podcast go ahead and like and subscribe you can do it at apple you can do it at google or you can do whatever you get podcasts uh you can even go to uh lawyertalkpodcast.com and you can subscribe there you could uh even become a patreon and uh and give us a buck a day or a buck a month or a buck a year i don't care as long as you're just telling us you like it and you're listening that's cool if you have questions for the q a series lawyertalkpodcast.com go ahead and submit it uh, if you have a topic you want us to cover and you want me to do it individually, I'll do it at the breakdown. You want to do it at the table uh, with the whole crew, we'll do that too. Uh, uh, for those who care, and, and most of us do, Jared is uh, is uh, coming back fast. So things going well there with Jared and Shorty. Shout out to them. Uh, praying for them as always every day. And uh, great to watch that progress. Never thought we'd be here, but here we are. That's awesome. Uh, so with that, we will wrap up another riveting hour in... 20, 30, an hour and change of uh, Lawyer Talk podcast off the record on the air, at least until now.